Welcome to New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care's podcast. This free podcast is made possible through your generosity. Please consider making a donation through our Ways to Give link on zencare.org. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. I've been feeling nostalgic all morning. talking to Fran this morning and just remembering that it was 30 years ago that I started practicing in this building. So strange to remember that. My first teacher, Dido. It's so amazing how nostalgia works on the mind taking us away from now and also feels kind of sweet. The Diamond Sutra says, the mind of the past is ungraspable. The mind of the future is ungraspable. The mind of the present ungraspable. So what is this? So many of us spend so much time thinking if we could just figure out the past, what we're dragging in from the past, Oh, then, then I'll be able to participate. Or the mind of the future, if I could just, you know, figure, plan how that conversation is going to go, or my life is going to go. Then, yeah, if I just control that. Or the mind of the present. If I could just understand what's happening now and really grasp it. As if that's any of them are even possible. So the Diamond Sutra is reminding us that it's all quite a lot of hubris. I once did an interview with the uh, artist Jenny Holzer, who wonderful artist in person, and she was talking about growing up in a very terrible situation, very painful, <coughs> and how she loved her horse. And she used to go around the, her horse with her horse in the morning to check on things that the trees were still there, the hills, the meadows, the rocks, as if she was kind of in charge of it. And she saw that at this time in her life that she 
thought it was so helpful, and it was helpful to her. But now she sees it as hubris. How she can still do that. Still have this idea of controlling what's happening. As if that will bring some kind of well-being. I don't think it's just her. I think perhaps some of us have patterns and habits of trying to control the past, the present, and the future to actually really get in the way of actually feeling spontaneous and just expressing what's juicy and lively in the moment. Dogen, the founder of our school, who lived from 1200 to 1253, for such a short little time, 53 years, when someone asked him why he practiced Zen, he said, he practiced because he wanted to find out why, if he was perfect and complete, lacking nothing, why practice at all? So one of Dogen's favorite koans was this one. There was a student and a teacher. <coughs> and the teacher asked the student, so why are you practicing Zen? And the student said, because I intend to become a Buddha. So his teacher started, picked up a brick and started to polish it. student said, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and the teacher replied, I'm trying to make a mirror. The student said, how can you make a mirror polishing a brick? <clears throat> and the teacher said, how can you become a Buddha by practicing Zazen? If you understand sitting Zen, you will know that Zen is not about sitting or laying down. If you want to learn sitting Buddha, know that sitting Buddha is without any fixed form. Do not use discrimination in the non-abiding Dharma. 
If you practice sitting as a Buddha, you must kill Buddha. If you're attached to the sitting form, you have not mastered anything. You have not mastered the essential principle. The student heard this and felt as if he had tasted the sweetest nectar. I love that polishing of virtue. Practicing <coughs> for some future point. <coughs> it's very much like the Diamond Circle <coughs> teacher, where it's like talking about trying to grasp some future point. I'm sitting now so that I will do something. And what's so incredible is this is yet another place that we're unified. We all have good company in the human race because apparently we all tend to do that. Extending and thinking something's knowable, graspable, and attainable. So what is effort? If we're not supposed to practice to get something, there actually are a lot of traditions where they do that. They practice so that they can get stuff. Some places actually like practice so they can get cars and you know different things. You know. This is not that practice. So if we're not supposed to practice to get stuff, even a peace of mind, then what? It's a really important thing to consider for me. What is effort about? It's kind of crazy. If there's a promise of nothing, what's effort about? We're so afraid. I know for myself that so much of my grasping for the past, for the present, and the future is about fear. 
fear of the actual truth, which is that things are completely unknowable and never changing. And it's so incredible about how much of our practice is influenced by fear of groundlessness. We want change, we want escape, we want comfort, we want this, we want that. With Dido, I used to drive him insane. I would be constantly asking him like a billion questions. Because I felt like if I knew enough about Zen, and I felt like sure he knew everything about Zen, I was like peppering him with questions. He'd like be walking across the room, and I'd be like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Seventeen-year-old kid. He was like, "Get away, kid!" <laughs> What's this? What's that? What's this? How do we do this? How do we do that? Why do we do this? Why do we do that? So sweet <laughs> and so annoying. <laughs> But I really see that part of myself, like I really felt like I just, first of all, I was so delighted about this practice. And right away felt at home in it. It's very clear to me. I was like a little hungry ghost, <laughs> trying to like slurp it all up. still have that. I love, you know, on vacation I was reading like the history of Soto Zen in Japan in like the 1700s, you know. Like <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't feel like it runs me now. Like it did. And there's something wonderful about knowing why things are the way they are, as if that's knowable. This is one of my favorite stories. It's called, um, it's from a book by Paul Reps. <coughs> collected all of these wonderful stories and he's an incredible artist and his story number 92 so he was like collecting all sorts of things some of them are koans some of them are just stories and it's called Fire Poker Zen it's about Zen master Hakuin who himself was a great artist and fierce teacher. Hakuin used to tell his pupils about an old woman 
who had a tea shop and praised, always praising her understanding of Zen, her expression. The students refused to believe what he told them and would go to the tea shop to find out for themselves. Whenever the woman saw them coming, she could tell at once whether they had come for tea or to look into her grasp of Zen. In the former case, she would serve them tea with great delight and great graciousness. In the latter, she would beckon the pupils to come behind her screen of her house. The instant they obeyed, she would strike them with a fire poker. That's the end of the story. <laughs> you know, these old women in the Zen tradition are quite important. They're almost always nameless, which of course is part of the misogyny of our lineage. And it's also kind of like this archetypal feminine quality. There's something about the namelessness that also could be kind of wonderful. Over the weekend, we were actually reading a book for the Foundations program that actually is <coughs> anonymous. You don't know who wrote it, and it's actually this great dharma book and in this age it just feels like so crazy and so cool and radical that you don't know who wrote it how wonderful is that it reminds me of these anonymous women something kind of powerful about it but to think about how we're all like these students right going and seeing like oh, some of us will go and just have tea just practice just make the effort to practice and some of us like want stuff right? like little hungry ghosts running around our lives like little I love that you hit them with a fire poker. <laughs> what is she doing? So if you're just wanting to practice, no problem. <coughs> Let's do that. But if they want something, whack. That would hurt to get hit by a fire poker. It would not be a subtle moment. Mm -hmm. 
Zen is full of these stories of people whacking each other. <laughs> Here in the United States, we don't do that because we would be sued. But what is this whacking? What is it to bring yourself back to this moment and to realize that no one has anything to offer you? Because there's nothing outside yourself. And to me, it's like that's the whole reason to have teachers and community is that we need tons of reminders and constant reminders that nothing is outside because there's no inside and there's no outside. And it's easy to say. And to me, it's just like that cons consistent practice. Effort not for anything, but just for the sake of effort. Effort feels good over time. As many of you know, I've been making a lot of effort in the gym. It's like a new realm. And now I go like, I can't wait to go. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> lifting things that don't need lifting. <laughs> Because it reminds me so much of practice, actually. Because lifting things that don't need lifting, to me, is just like zazen. You're not lifting it for something, but because that's what you're doing. It's like kinhen. It's not like, oh, do I feel like doing kinhen? That's not really about our opinions. And how Zen practice is quite different from other traditions, like we do everything at the same time. So that we can see something. How we want to be different. How we want to be special. How all those little ghosts come out. And we just have to love those ghosts because we have all got them. And when it has, doesn't have any, you know, that's another issue. To me, it's about like, how do we just, uh, just relax into doing Practicing, not because it needs to be practiced, mm -hmm. but just because of practice itself. Just expressing what the moment has.
Ryokan writes, the wind has settled. The blossoms have fallen. Birds sing. The mountains grow dark. This is the wondrous power of Buddhism. The wind has settled. The blossoms have fallen. Birds sing. Mountains grow dark. This is the wondrous power of Buddhism. The wind is settled. The snow is falling. The trucks roar. The light streams in from the street. This is the wondrous power of Buddhism. 